0: The Koigig part. I
1: wouldn't even look at them. I wouldn't I wouldn't even prepare mm. to play against them, because you do know what you don't know what you're gonna get. <laughs> we could beat them 6-0, or we could lose 6-0.
0: Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or
1: your money back. Neon Night
0: Edition, available now.
1: So delighted to say that from United We Stand, Andy Mitten is on the line. Morning, Andy. Good morning. Uh, I I say this with the greatest sincerity thanks for taking our call this morning normally I say that as a a sort of a bluff start to an interview but uh, we appreciate it a little bit more time to sit in the result and the performance obviously from Sunday and fans obviously still trying to figure out is this a one-off, is it something deeper where do you sit?
2: I hope and think it is a one-off if you look how Manchester United have responded to setbacks this season and there's been a few significant ones then... The reaction has been very positive. Having lost to Brentford, United went on an unbeaten run. Same again after the Manchester derby, seven or eight games. Same again after Aston Villa in November, nine or ten games. Same again after Arsenal in January, right up to the defeat at Anfield. So the worry is that this becomes a trend. The reality so far has been that United have responded extremely well and that they've taken something from the defeats, heavy defeats as well. Four at Brentford, six at City, seven at Anfield. Sounds like there's going to be an eight coming soon, Hmm. perish the four, Mm. but... I'm trying to be level-headed about it this has actually been a good season for Manchester United the trophy's been won third in the league seven points ahead of Liverpool so far Sunday was horrific of course it was but if you want a reaction from me screaming away because that's what social media algorithms demand and saying look at this guy having a meltdown I'm not the man for that because I've seen Manchester United lose games in all the time I've supported the club I've seen them get hammered even the best sides I've seen Fergie's title winners lose three games on the bounce, conceding uh, six at Southampton, five at Newcastle, and getting beat at home to Chelsea. It, it happens, and seven nils at Anfield obviously are not meant to happen, but there's the, the, you do get freak results, and Jurgen Klopp used the word freak, and I think it's right. Liverpool were brilliant on Sunday. Everything went right for them. Yeah. They were at home, the crowd got up in the second half and everything went wrong for Manchester United. But Real Betis on Thursday, I spoke to their central midfielder yesterday, Guido Rodriguez, World Cup winner with Argentina. Huge club Betis, average crowd of 51,000. I'm really looking forward to it. And I actually think that Manchester United will respond. The worry, which we won't know until Thursday or Southampton the weekend, is that somehow these players have come too far they're shattered because of the intensity of all the matches the world cup break uh, but united after the world cup have been really in form, played really well i think away form in the league is 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 a concern it's not as bad as liverpool's but it's nowhere near as good as uh, cities or arsenals but we're, what we're nine months into a new manager i'm, I'm absolutely fine with how he's done He has transformed Manchester United. Trust me, I speak to people inside that club every single day. And even after the really good game in camp now, two or three weeks ago, when Javi Hernandez was saying, Manchester United are one of the best teams in Europe, I spoke to people at the club and they're like, no, 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 we've got a long, long way to go here. Mm. In some
1: regards, the 7-0 sort of freakish, as you say, sort of nature of the outcome has almost the bonkers nature of it has almost done away with the critical analysis. If it had been 1-0 or 2-0, I would argue that we'd have been having much more conversations about where are the areas in that United team that,
2: that need addressing almost. Yeah, I think that's a fair comment and it, it's, it gives ammunition. You know, a few United fans told me he got to work yesterday and there was a can of 7-Up waiting for him. We had so one in here we, yesterday as well for us, Andy. So. Yeah. I would be exactly the same if that was Liverpool. And that's part of the rivalry. It's part of the the tribalism. Beating Liverpool at Old Trafford in August was really significant. That was Eric Ten Hag's first win. Didn't expect that at all. I didn't expect United to finish above Liverpool this season, and it might not do. But at the moment, after 25 games, Manchester United are seven points clear of Liverpool. Doing one-one cup, still in the Europa League, still in in the FA Cup. But yeah, it was freakish. You, you can you can look at individuals but if you're going to do that you're going to have to look at every single one because not one of them played well they, they just lost their heads and Ten Hag used the word unprofessional which I speak to a lot of professional footballers, if you're being described as unprofessional that is a major slur on you, if your manager's calling you that then he's not happy with you but I think they'll take it because because he's right Andy how's it going Ken
0: Cunningham, are uh, you well? I can. Good to see you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I say, agree I a lot. well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I should take that back really. Um, yeah, I agree a lot what you said there, uh, Andy, and you're right in terms of a bit of a once-off in terms of performance levels from a number of the players, the likes of Luke Shaw, Martínez and Casimiro, high, high level, uh, consistent level of performances from them uh, this season. But uh, I, you wouldn't put kind of Anthony into that category. It wasn't a kind of freakish performance from him uh, yesterday. And... Even Bruno Fernandes, you speak about uh, surprise in terms of some of the performances, and there would have been too much criticism of Ten Hag in terms of the kind of tactical setup, etc. But this surprised me a little bit when I saw this uh, starting lineup uh, yesterday, and Bruno was slung out on the left wing in Veghorst, and that withdrawn number 10 role. So it was probably two questions uh, for you. I mean, personally, I don't think there's too much of a future for Bruno as an out and out winger in any team, let alone this Manchester United team, and, and Anthony as well was a big word yesterday, don't get me wrong he hasn't lit it up he, so far in his United career but his positional sense, even kind of attitude and basic game understanding yesterday against Liverpool was a massive cause for concern particularly when United supporters are looking up at the performance of Gabico half the price at the other end of the pitch and the kind of maturity which he's shown in terms of his level of performance. So just those two questions really in terms of Anthony in particular, his, uh, his performance levels and the perception amongst Manchester United supporters about him and also Bruno Fernandes in Terms of his uh, going forward as a Manchester United player, where does he fit into the into
2: the template of uh, uh, Tan Hag in terms of how Manchester United are going to play? I think Bruno's best centrally. That said, he played out wide in the Manchester Derby and was man of the match. I spoke to someone at a very high level in football on. Sunday, who just said to me, what on earth is Bruno doing in that position, echoing what, what you were saying? I think he lost his head. He, it was pretty embarrassing watching him in that second half. Um, Anthony, uh, he's still in his first season. He can frustrate. I think he's still a young lad. His first season in England, he can excite as well. I, I'm happy to quote him a bit of slack. The manager knows exactly what it's like from his time at Ajax. If Anthony and the other signings were, had not been doing well, then I'd be really concerned. But look at the players that Ten Hag's brought in. Casemiro is probably the side's most important player. Lisandro Martinez didn't have a good game on Sunday. None of them did, but he's been really good as well. He's having to patch up his side, Kenny. He's, he's bringing in Sabitzer and Valtveghorst. Are they Manchester United premium quality players? They're probably not, but... He's nowhere near where he wants to be with, with, with his squad. And Cody Gapcombe, great game on Sunday, but I was there in Liverpool fans two or three weeks ago doubting him. He's coming together... It's like when you were at Sunderland in 2006, and <laughs> Niall Quinn came in. <laughs> you, had, you had a horrific start to the season, didn't you? Certainly. That's when I was playing. Not the first time. <laughs> <smart> yeah. <laughs> yeah, picked up that <laughs> yeah, after friendly. the injury. Yeah. Now you're right. I joined your club. Uh, a lad called Arnau Riera. He joined from Spain wow, in August right. 2006, and yeah. he's a very close mate of mine. And he came on at South End in the first game. Got man of the match in his second game got sent off after three minutes Wow! and then Roy Keane came in and said uh, not really having you son so he went, he went to Falkirk you know football could change very quickly but that Sunderland team came up didn't he turned yeah. it around completely
0: yeah that's right yeah 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 I'm interested Andy what you said There's just about uh, 10 Hag he knows it's, this isn't the, he needs to improve I might have actually mentioned this before maybe early in the season remember we had a uh, conversation, Obviously, this is a different Manchester United team, the, where, the, le- the level they're playing at at the moment. But do you get, he, he never comes out publicly, which I understand. Ten Hag and says, look, this is where we need to improve. These are the areas of the pitch where I need to go and get a player which takes us to the next, le- uh, next level. Do you get a bit of an indication off and where, where he still feels as if, what areas of the pitch he still feels that need to strengthen here? I know generally the squad has to improve in depth, but I'm talking about a starting 11. 80s in particular. I mean, you could. There's an argument there for the spine of the pitch, even centre midfield, centre forward. Obviously, is a given. Even like centre half. You know, the, the two lads look a great pair than like Varane and Martinez, Andy. But you lost one of them for a significant amount of period of time of the season. Have you got a number, th- you know, a backup a number three who could come in? You could trust over the course of his season. Does Maguire or Lindelof fall into that category at the moment?
2: I'm all right with the centre half positions. I think mean, you've got four four players there. I asked Ten Hag himself in, in December. I had an hour with him with a couple of other journalists in, in Cadiz on what was supposed to be a warm-weather training camp but turned into a wet-weather training camp. And he was a really impressive character. And he said, Frankie de Jong, of course I'd love Frankie de Jong here. Jude Bellingham, of course I'd love Amir. He was pretty honest about it. But the main takeaway was he wanted a, a number nine because Cristiano Ronaldo had moved on. It's pretty clear to see that if Manchester United had a world-class number nine, they would be far better. Anthony Martial is injured far too often. Valvergost, for all his attributes and and all the hard work that he does, he doesn't score enough goals. So that would be the priority for for this summer. I think you might be looking at a right-back as well, another central midfielder. I think he's been pretty open about this. You can dissect the team and we're, we're doing that now. He's got a good spine there apart from his main centre forward. I think Marcus Rashford is, is more effective coming off on the left. Even I don't think it has worked as well when he's played centrally uh, whereas Bruno does much better centrally. So he's finding his way and he's had a couple of other players um, Christian Eriksen missing he's, he's important for Manchester United he, he made more assists than anybody Jadon Sancho, at some point you would hope that Jadon Sancho really finds form as being a top talent because it, yeah. it hasn't happened so far but I think he's treated him well but they're going to sign players in the summer, the ownership situation uh, needs to there needs to be some clarity there he needs to know what he can spend and the only answer there is going to come from when you know who's in charge of the club. You know, if if there are moneyed new owners, suddenly you can go out and buy. Well, hey, we're going for Mbappe here, or if it's same old with the Glazers, then a lot of money has actually been spent, but it's yeah. got to be more considered. I, I I'm, I've been really impressed by him. I mean, he knows what he wants. He's dealt with the situations well, and and he's still in his first season. I'm I'm really comfortable with him as manager, and the coaches around him as well. He's got a good staff there. A real mixture of experience. People like um, Steve McLaren, who, he's not a modern coach, but he knows he knows English football. He knows the press. He knows the humour. Mitchell van der Gaag, a good foil for Eric Ten Hag. Someone who's a good manager in his own right. Someone who doesn't kiss his managers, his boss's backside, but actually challenges him. Benny McCarthy, good manager in his own right. Did really well as a manager. And... There's a good buzz around Manchester United. I speak to people there every single day, and trust me, if you'd around rang me a year ago when Ralph Rangnick was in charge, and you did regularly do, every <laughs> indication I was getting was not positive. And that was reflected in the results. Andy, one, you mentioned Roy Keane there. One of his comments after the match that, that struck me was after the game he was giving out and talking about the United players coming out for the second half at 1-0 down from the tunnel and kind of laughing and joking with some of the Liverpool players and staff members. Was there something in those comments, like you, you wanted a bit of vitriol and a bit of hatred between the two clubs w- during the 90 minutes, or were they comments, do you think, from a, from a bygone era perhaps? I think it's a really good point because... I, I'm a Mancunian. I want to see the players go to war at Anfield. And I was brought up on that. Players like Brian Robson and Norman Whiteside going toe-to-toe with Liverpool when Liverpool were the best team, winning everything, getting a draw and thinking it felt like like a win. I don't think it's a good look if players are pally-pally with each other. It, it just isn't. Even if behind the scenes, you know, there's several Man United and Man City players who are really good friends because of their nationality. If you dig back a bit deeper... When Fred was really struggling at Manchester United, the biggest form of support came from Fernandinho from Manchester City. But if you see them all matey at Anfield, nah, I'm, I'm not having that. I mean, it's two tribes. They go to war, don't they? And I love the enmity, as you say. I love the rivalry. I'm not into some of the tragedy songs at all. But they're two brilliant football clubs. And Liverpool in the last few years have been so well run on and off the pitch, they've, they've created a fantastic side. They've won the league. They've got to the European finals. They've won the European Cup. I was in Madrid in 19 in that stadium. Absolutely horrendous night. But I went there in the name of work. I did my job professionally. But they've had a bad year this year. They've got a good manager. I'd love one day for Manchester United and Liverpool to go head and head for a title. <laughs> right away to the end of the season. Because we've not seen it. And it's all right, you know, City and Chelsea, whatever. Imagine if it, that was Manchester United and Liverpool. I just think we're some way off both uh, being in that position. But as we've seen this season, football changes very, very quickly. Do you st- still think you're some way off there, uh, Andy? Is there, is there not a
0: kind of just slowly all, almost wi- whispers, Chinese whispers around Old Trafford that next year we need to be... You know, we need to be challenging, not an expectation, maybe so much a demand from the supporters, but you know, almost kind of wishful thinking. Yeah, we're not, we're getting close here. Get to get to signings right in the summer. Why not? We could.
2: Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I agree because he, he has raised expectations, and whereas people were saying. To Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, okay, it's your third season now, serious title challenge. I think next season it is realistic, but we don't know who the owners of Manchester United are going to be. That could really unsettle everything. But you would think if he brings in two or three players who are as effective as the three he's brought in so far this season, if in the best case scenario, he has luck with injuries, you know, players like Varane don't get injured, Anthony actually finds consistency, Garnaccio gets more consistency with age Sancho comes to form Rashford avoids injury if all them factors are going well combined with rivals losing as has happened this year Chelsea have been a basket case this year then that's how league titles are won but Manchester United are not yet are not there yet they're just not you can see it I think that that term results machine which Klopp used is right he's done really well to get these results but I've been at the matches, Leicester cut Manchester United apart in the first half a few weeks ago. West Ham um, were really effective in that cup game only last week. So Manchester United have been riding the look a bit. Of late, yeah.
1: Can I um, take the Kenny Cunningham approach here and roll two questions into one for you, Andy, if you don't mind? Um, One of them is in relation to, I saw the BBC reporting last night that Bruno Fernandes had come out to say, to insist that he wasn't asking to be subbed off, that he was looking for positional guidance after Lang had come on. But a lot of conversation about the future of Bruno Fernandes, the long-term future of him as captain, number one. And then second piece, just watching again Monday, uh, Monday Night Football last night and Jamie Carragher did an interesting analysis piece on Casemiro, and it wasn't, as you might imagine, especially complimentary about his quality of passing, uh, poor tracking and a generally sloppy display. So it was very much at odds with everything we'd seen almost from Casimiro up, up, to, um, up to this in the United shirt. Just both of
2: those, uh, your thoughts? A footballer has a bad game shock. Name me one who, who, who doesn't. Casimiro has been brilliant for Manchester United. And I did his first interview when he came to Old Trafford and I saw him a lot in Madrid and what I was most taken with was the reaction of Manchester United fans. He'll never come. They'll never sell him. He's only coming here for the money. He's past it. Absolute nonsense every single one of those comments. And I was seeing the same people 2 or 3 months later going I've got to hold my hands up. That great fan riposte, I've got to hold my hands up. He's proving me wrong. He's proving him wrong because he's one of the best midfielders in the world. He didn't look it at Anfield on Sunday. You could have put one of them statues from Anthony Gormley's um, exhibition on Crosby Beach in the middle, and they would have been more effective than Casemiro. But they were all horrendous. Bruno, probably the worst, the, the, the worst of a bad bunch on Sunday. I think he's a top player. Do I get frustrated watching him moan and moan and moan? I do. But that's the part of his game which makes him who he is. We've mentioned Roy Keane a couple of times. I, I did see him have one or two words with referees where where choice words were used. He's moaned as well. And I think Bruno, he, 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 he takes the risks. He goes for the rewards with them risks. Because he's taking the highest risks with the passes he makes, invariably they're not all going to come off. He's not just tippy-tapping it from side to side. I think mean, he's a top player. i never forget what he did when he came in in January 2020 when the team were really struggling. He changed the team a lot, like Casemiro has done this season. For that to become a, a title-winning side, he's got to get them all clicking together. It's got to be the collective. And one thing that Ten Hag's done, and the people um, at the club who moved players on last season, there are four or five players there, who were a negative influence in that dressing room, and they've gone. They went in 2022. And I get loads of people telling me exactly what it's like inside that dressing room. And if I was hearing negatives, I'd be telling you now. My my loyalty is to, to tell people what is going on there, not to the people telling me information. And trust me, it is in a good place that, uh, but there's still a good, good way to go. As there is with this season, top four and a cup, would be a good season for Manchester United. I look behind at Liverpool now and I think, oof, seven points could be could make up in no time. Yeah. And they're clearly good. Alright. But we're, we're speaking twenty five games in and Manchester United is seven clear in Liverpool. Yeah. Seven that's, seven seven. That's, that's, Stop that's, saying that's, seven. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a perfect note to uh, to leave this out, to leave uh, United fans at least happy. Andy United with Stan, thanks a million
2: cheers all the best
0: cheers Andy OTB AM with Gillette Labs get the ultimate shave or your money back Neon Night Edition available now